3: Hello and welcome to the following on Cricket World Cup podcast from Talk Sport with me, John Norman. Well, the World Cup is officially underway and wow, has Ben Stokes already nailed the moment of the tournament with a ridiculous one-handed grab on the boundary.
4: Again on the sweep. Is it going to go over his head? Oh, no way! No, no way! You cannot do that, Ben Stokes. That is remarkable. That is one of the greatest catches of all time. You cannot do that. That's unbelievable
3: stuff. Reaction to that? Jofra Archer's golden arm, 50s for Stokes, Root, Morgan and Roy, and a whopping 104-run win for England. So stay tuned, and if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe through your favourite podcast app and stay up to date with the Cricket World Cup on TalkSport. You're listening to Following On. Well, welcome to the Oval, where um, well, we're still catching our breath, I suppose, after England swept aside South Africa, beating them in the World Cup opening by 104 runs. That's not really why we're still catching our breath. More of that in a little bit... Uh, to come. I'm sure if you've uh, been on social media uh, before listening to the uh, following on podcast, you'll know exactly what I'm about to say. But a quick run through the scorecard uh, from a game that uh, that hit the heights on occasion, it must be said. Uh, South Africa winning what looked like a good toss and putting England in. Bester going first over. First ball he faced. Imran Tahir after all the talk of Stain and Kigiso Rabada. It was uh, Imran Tahir who was thrown the, uh, the ball uh, by Faf du Plessis and it worked. Bester going for a first ball duck. Before Jason Roy and Joe Root steadied things, putting on 100 for the second wicket. And then it was a bit of a uh, succession of uh, of wickets, really, on a sticky surface. There were half centuries for Morgan as well, uh, but it was Stokes um, who uh, really muscled England to what turned out to be an easily defendable total. 311 for eight. South Africa came out. And uh, well, they lost Hashim Amla very quickly, not because of uh, a dismissal, but because of an injury. Trying to pull a short delivery from Archer, and he misjudged it, took one on the grill, and he didn't come out until the game had been lost. Really, uh, Duplessis and De Kock steadied things uh, for a while, but uh, Archer showing just why he's in this side. It's hostile new ball bowling, and he took a couple of wickets as well as seeing off, it, off Hashim Amla. But then it went a bit quiet here at the Oval as uh, South Africa reached 129 for two before finally de Kock perished. Liam Plunkett with the wicket. Wasn't a great ball. Helped down deep backwards square's throat uh, when really it should, should have been deposited into one of the estates around the grounds. Uh, from that moment onwards, it was England's game. But really, it's a match that we'll look back on and talk in this podcast about Archer about uh, Stokes the batsman about nerves on the big occasion but really will be remembered from a bit of brilliance Ben Stokes in the outfield uh, the batsman Pulek- Pulekwai uh, meeting a, a, a standard delivery from Adil Rashid flush on the reverse sweep the question when the ball left the bat was is that going for four or six or well, neither because Stokes moving in the outfield pulled off a Superman catch one of the best you'll ever see certainly the best I've ever seen in the outfield to go with the best slip catch I've ever seen at Trent Bridge by the same fielder uh, what a player uh, from that point on the stuffing had been literally knocked out of them and England romped home. I'm delighted to say Steve Harmison, fresh from an appearance on breakfast uh, with uh, with the team on TalkSport and the fo- World Cup phone-in on TalkSport 2 joins me to look back on uh, a day I think Owen Morgan, the England captain, will be relieved to be looking back on. Uh, England didn't always hit the
4: heights today did they
3: Steve but they got the job done
4: no I think I think what Morgan I think Morgan will be happy that the World Cup started I think he'd be happy that his teams got through and got a win Um, but I also think in a, in a, a day or two I think when he really looks back on it I think he'd be happy with the character some of his players have shown you know there was one or two of them if you if the way england have gone in recent past john you look at you know the likes of roy root and morgan himself you would be disappointed they didn't go on and in the past they've gone on and got big big scores in the last two to sort of three years and i think the reason why i think you'd be so happy this game's over and done with and done and it's beat it's here the 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 favorite tag is because that's probably the little bit of nerves that's cost England maybe 20-30 runs in that first innings the way they perform. Credit to South Africa, fantastic bowling attack but they've got issues they've got massive issues when the balance of their side comes to the question because they've got some fantastic bowlers but not one of them can bat where England like we've seen England two down three down all of a sudden they can keep going Stokes kept going because you've got the likes of Plunkett, Archer and um, Rashid, Wokes they're all all the bowlers do bat so I think England showed I think it was a professional performance I thought it was a solid not a solid performance but I think it was a performance that England will look back on and think you know what there's been a lot of hype we were a little bit nervous at the start. It was a good toss to win by South Africa. The bowl very, very well, but we got out of it with an unbelievable result. To win by over 100 runs in the opener, I think I, I don't think Morgan or Bielis or the rest of the lads can be you know, too disappointed on how they played. And that catch by Ben, wow. Ah. I, I, I honestly thought something would take... You know, I'm not just saying it because I was bowling at the time but I, I honestly thought something was going to take some beating Paul Collingwood's catch at Bristol against mm. Matthew Hayden it was something it was similar because of the way he took it sort of reversed the uh, reverse one handed um, Paul's was more of an instinct I think Ben got his he got his angles and his um, I think his decision making when he was going for you know, to run in or and then he got he got deceived a little bit but what a catch what an unbelievable catch and I think what sums it up is the reaction you said about social media some of the pictures I've seen on social media of the crowd's faces behind <laughs> him when he took it huh? was a picture and the one I liked the very the most was he wasn't too far and there was there was a guy. I think there was a lady or a gentleman in a wheelchair, and the picture on that face says anything. Because you know what, that person is probably waited and waited and waited to get to the World to watch the World Cup. You know, for four years, probably waited and waited and waited, and sitting there, you know, at ground level to see and be that close to Ben Stokes's catch. I think that picture itself was worth the the years of wait the, the, that that person's probably had. It was fantastic.
3: Yeah, well said, mate. It was, uh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking back to it, you know. <laughs> I, it's the best catch I've ever seen, outfield catch, live, mm. I've ever seen. And even after watching replays about 15 times, I was still laughing out loud. And you know what? You're not supposed to applaud in the press box, but sod that. I was on my feet. You know, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I, tell I you thought he's run just... out
4: as well, though, John. I thought, you, you yes. talk about it. No, you're right. You talk right. about it. He's run out. When things it was... aren't going, it's a run out. A little bit of brilliance. You're asking from something from the field. We always said, you When I was playing, and it was probably at the start of the new generation of the the one-day game, sort of early 2000, and their involvement, the scores going from 220, 250 to being, you know, a decent score, 250 to 300. That was probably when I was sort of on my way out of one-day cricket. And every captain, every coach, every player said, "Look, it's not about how good a bowler you are. It's not about how good at getting hundreds. Because if you have a little bit of brilliance, that." A, a one-handed catch, a fantastic run out. They're they game changers, and I thought his, his run out was a game changer as well. Absolutely,
3: yeah, with that run out. You're absolutely right. It was a Pretorius. Uh, you know, a couple of overs before, it was it was silent here at the Oval. 129 for two, and that run out made it 144 for five. When uh, Pretorius came back for a second. That, mm any other fielder in the world pretty much I mean Andre Russell perhaps there's you know there's a couple of guys with really powerful throws but you know most uh, nine times out of ten two runs uh, but unfortunately it was a tenth and so uh, he was out Uh, let's hear from uh, Ben Stokes though. speaking to Sky Sports following the game
2: (laughs) you're just a show-off Stokes hey come on have a good look at this come on like this when did you know you got it not until it actually got in my hand because at one stage I was panicking. Um, I was a little bit further in than I should have been and I took a step in, took a couple of steps in um, and then it was a bit like, oh no, oh no, oh no. Um, but yeah, thankfully it's stuck. Uh, the celebration marks out of ten, what would you say? I actually didn't know what to do because <laughs> the atmosphere there behind me was incredible. It was so loud, it didn't really, you know, didn't really know what to do, to be honest. The crowd reaction to this was oh, epic yeah. from behind you when you oh, walked back to your place. It was so loud, honestly. It was It was actually, you know, I had to take a minute there and just sort of stand in it and appreciate it for what it was. What's pleased you more, the innings or that catch? Um, oh, I think the innings. Um, you know, we, were, we didn't really know what we were... What well, was a good score. Um, early on, Ruti and J-Roy said, you know, this could be a 300 wicket, someone gets in 330. Um, but we kept on losing, you know, wickets at crucial times. And uh, towards the end, we weren't quite sure where we were going to get our boundaries from because of how well South Africa bowled towards the end of us. Um, so it's good to, you know, get some get some time out in the middle and get some runs. I'm going to come back to the bat in the bowl in just a minute. Which was better, though? Which gave you more pleasure? This one today or that one? So that one it's against Australia. <laughs> as simple as that, is and it? Yeah. I'm That's glad right. you said that with Shane there. Yeah. yeah, no, thanks,
3: Stokes. You know, there's, uh, there's, a, there's several X-Factor players within this side. We know about Stokes. Uh, Geoff Archer as well. Uh, from a fast bowling perspective, Steve, because. Your uh, your take on how well he bowled today, and how important those wickets um, were to England's cause.
4: Well, he he was brilliant. Uh, he's he's been fantastic since the minute he's walked in in the door. I think the minute I think the minute we've seen him play in the IPL, then seen him play in the Big Bash, and we wait, waited for him with bated breath a little bit to see how um how he perform in international cricket and i think after about three or four balls in ireland i think i realized that not only was he going to be in my world cup squad he's probably going to be in my world cup team and then he's probably going to play in the ashes because <laughs> this guy the, i hadn't really seen him close up where i really took too much interest um because i thought he's playing the big bash he's playing in the ipl he's not going to qualify until 2021 or 2022 by that time, and I'll be honest, I really will be honest, John. I honestly thought, why does he want to play for England? Well, I really thought, why does he want to play for England if he's not going to qualify until 2022? What support, What does he really want to play for England for? Because he'll had, he's, he, I knew he was that good. And that wasn't what I was thinking. Was no, no. I, I was it. more I or less thinking if he has four years of IPL money. If he has four years of big bash money, four years of Sussex money, it. and I, I, I go into the Caribbean Premier League, go into the PSL, the BSL, all these franchises, competitions around the, around the world, in four years' time or three and a half years' time, why does he want to come and play cricket for England with the financial that's going on and the person he'll be and the player he'll be by that time? But then once his qualification comes earlier. You, you, you sort of your eyes sort of opened up a little bit, and you were you were you were wondering, you know what? Yeah, this he could be England's missing link. And then when he comes in and shows, his attributes are unbelievable. He gets tight to the stumps. It doesn't look as though I actually picked something up, and it, it wasn't until Shane actually Shane Warren said it to him afterwards. Um, I thought he was running in quicker. I've been in India for the the, the Pakistan. Um, England series and I've watched the whole lot every ball from the the 5-1 Nationals in the 2020 and he just labored in I actually thought he ran in a bit quicker today so I'll be interested to see if that gets picked up because of the pace he, he was he was uh, he was getting I just thought he was he's been mesmerizing since he's, he's come in I don't see where people can get at him and if what I mean by that is when somebody comes on the scene for the very first time. There's probably a year, isn't there? It's the same as the you know, first year syndrome. How goes how how hard is it to sort of replicate that? How good is you gonna be in the second year? Because people then start finding you out. I don't see where this guy's weakness is in such in, in respect in a way that the batsman can then start thinking, well, you know what? If I if I take the stumps out of the equation, I can back off because he gets bounce. Where you know for somebody like myself, if when I first came on the scene, after a while people would take the stumps out of the equation because I didn't bowl many many balls at the stumps. You look at somebody like Glenn McGrath who gets tight to the stumps, bowling 82, 83 mile an hour. At somebody else that doesn't really attack the stumps very well, he bowls the top of stump, but it's always above this guy Archer has got the best Yorker in the in, in the world game so you can't really take you can't really sort of go at that as a batsman you have to be careful and because he's got such a great wrist He swings the ball as well, and he challenges your outside edge and your inside edge of your bat in it very, very early in the game. And I think because he does it at pace, I'm just not sure where batsmen are going to try and target him because they have to target him. It's one-day cricket. Scores of 350 are going to be on the board, and if you, you can't just pat him back for 45 off his 10 overs, they're going to have to have a go at him. So it'll be interesting to see how they combat that. But for me today, he was magnificent.
3: Let's hear from the main man, Geoff Archer. Geoffrey Archer. Uh, Joffre, congratulations
2: on a brilliant bowling performance and a great team performance. Just explain what that was like today, going out and playing for England in a World Cup. I mean, I know Pakistan and Ireland, but this was serious. This is the big boys.
0: Honestly,
3: it was a great atmosphere. <laughs> Stepping up, like hearing everyone roaring, like, even with my name, because they didn't bowl the first over. When they got announced to bowl the second over, like, everyone just exploded and it, it was just a great feeling. Uh,
2: Mark's out of 10 for you from this spell, would it be fair to say, I mean, your pace was right up there, was the adrenaline pumping, because it looked to us, and Shane pointed this out, that were you running in a bit quicker?
3: Yeah, yeah, we get a bit of extra adrenaline today. Today was a really both special day for the team and for myself personally, so I just, you know, you just get a little extra something in you.
2: Use the short ball effectively as well. Is that a plan going into today, or is that because of the pitch?
3: No, nah, I'd probably use it. Trying to use both every over for the whole tournament. Really, it's a wicked taking ball and a dot ball, so he would be stupid not to use it. Joffrey Archer speaking to Sky Sports. Uh, tell you what, uh, Harmy. What? Looking ahead to the Ashes, and that would, let's not get too far away. But actually, no. Let's get let's 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 do this. What about the idea of this fourth ODI against Pakistan? Mark Wood uh, out- bowled Joffrey Archer. He was quicker than Joffrey Archer. You know, Mark Wood bowling like we saw in St Lucia alongside Joffre Archer, that is a mouth-watering prospect, isn't it, against whoever but the Aussies come in and even against Australia in a couple of years' time.
4: It, what, it, what, it, what it does give us, John, it gives us was what we said in the Caribbean when we were, all got carried away and there was the wood euphoria and obviously my connection with him and we were, you know, we were pitch level and we did all the interviews and stuff like that with him. We said, this is what we've been missing. We cannot carry on in a, in a test match without somebody like this in our side we mentioned stone we mentioned wood we mentioned I mentioned brooks who got a couple of wickets today at um at, at warwickshire all that there was what ifs because wood very rarely fit what if stone young brooks young what if now we've got somebody who we can probably bank on who is not not as quick through the air as wood but Makes the ball bounce, so you will challenge a batsman coming forward a little bit more. But what it does is it makes sure that if Archer's not fully firing, we've got Wood. If Wood's not fit, we've got Archer. So we've definitely got somebody at one end who can bowl in excess of 90 mile an hour in every single Test match we play, along with the best seamer that's probably ever played the game in Anderson, who's still got a, a little bit left in him, a little bit left in him yet. And one of the best bowlers, another one of the best bowlers we've ever co- uh, produced in broad, who's still got life in him yet. So all of a sudden, chucking Mo and Ali and Stokes, this this ashes, you're coming around, you're thinking, you know what, our, our chances are getting even better. You know, we're at home. But all of a sudden, going around the world now, we've got pierce bowlers mm. that can perform with the Red Bull. And it's, it is very, very good. It's very exciting. And fingers crossed... Uh, they can stay fit because that's the conundrum with fast bowlers Uh, can you keep can you keep them fit I think you can keep them hungry because I think this this England group has been proven that you know that they're hungry to be successful they're hungry for everybody to be successful you know they're happy for each and everybody's success the problem is keeping them on the park especially the key components and a fast bowler is worth his weight in gold
3: what about South Africa then do you you expect them to be there or thereabouts when it comes to the semi-finals
4: yeah I I didn't I said right at the very start my four semi-finalists were England England probably to play one of the West Indies South Africa Pakistan or New Zealand and I probably have punt and I did say I punt for New Zealand in that fourth spot
3: yeah I'll go with that actually
4: Against uh, to play India or Australia, I think them two will be yep. second and third. Um, we talked about match winners of four John. Yeah, England have got five X factor players, mm. and at the minute, Steyn's stands on the on the on the way on his way out a little bit. I only other, the only other X factor player I see in this team is Quentin de Kock. I don't see any any others that I would fear as you know he's he's box office he's uh, rabata i you know, he didn't have one of his best deers to deer but again like i said before south africa you've got one you've got one x-factor in play at the top they've got a decent bowling attack very well sorry a very very good bowling attack i shouldn't since they're decent because they've actually got a very good bowling attack the problem is n- none of them can bat so then you have to die and you can't go the way England go or you can't go the way the Aussies go or India go I was listening to Sarav Ganguly saying you've got to play them all I thought he was miles away I thought he was a million mile wrong because if you if you go two down like they did today then all of a sudden, they're playing old-fashioned one-day cricket. England go two down, and they just keep going because they know for a fact they can keep going. And I think that's why England are the best in the world. And there's a lot of them lagging, and I think especially South Africa, the the X-factor players are, are very few and far between, and none of the proper bowlers bat. And I, I I just think they might struggle to get a score of 320, 340, 350 that is going to be consistent to win games to get you in the semifinal.
2: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna, it could be a long old uh, World Cup for South Africa. Uh, but, you know, they're going to win some big games along the way. You mentioned New Zealand. I was at the, uh, the opening uh, ceremony yesterday. There was a bit of a media event beforehand. Caught up with James Franklin, the guy that we worked together uh, on the Champions Trophy back in 2017 to get his thoughts on how New Zealand are shaping up ahead of this World Cup. Well, four years ago, my next guest and I were uh, no doubt getting caught up in the moment as New Zealand reached the final of the World Cup. World Cup, it was a tournament that certainly captured the public's imagination. I'm not going to lie to you, James Franklin, I don't think that this Cricket World Cup has quite caught the public's imagination just yet. Uh, the fact that it's also raining ahead of this opening ceremony, but um, it was a special time for New Zealand cricket, wasn't it, that uh, that welcome?
5: Yeah, it was, absolutely right, uh, John. It was um, really riding a, a crest of a wave cricket in New Zealand at that time um, on the back of, I guess, Brendan McCullum galvanising that whole cricket team and capturing the public's imagination and, uh, you know, the cricket that they did play as well certainly was attractive cricket and I think it was the forebearer for what we've seen I think a lot over the last few years in in ODI cricket around the world this attacking brand of cricket that uh, England have certainly been a world leader in over the last few years under the uh, stewardship of Owen Morgan so uh, I think we're all extremely looking forward to seeing how everything unravels over the next five or six weeks.
3: I think it was Wellington when uh, England were bowled out for about 120 or something and Martin Guptill and Brendan McCullum just they went to town, essentially, mm. chasing down the score in about 10 overs or whatever it was. And mm. it was that game, I think. Owen Morgan and Brendan McCullum are good friends. Mm. And that was where the sow, where the seeds were sown in what we see now. So I think, actually, as you say, Brendan McCullum and New Zealand can take a lot of credit for where England are now.
5: Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily just England. I think it's just the way that ODI cricket has moved forward over the last four years or since that last World Cup. I think New Zealand... Uh, we're the front runners in, term, in terms of a style of cricket. You know, posting consistently over 300. Now we're seeing scores of consistently being 350, 360, and you've got to be brave to play that style of cricket. And England, they've been the front runners as I said in that style. They're, they're consistently posting high scores, attacking right throughout their 50 overs with the bat, and then with the ball as well. You know, really attacking and trying to take wickets and Brendan McCullum, Mike Hesson, uh, prior to the 2015 World Cup, you know, probably two or three years earlier, you know, saw that that was the way forward for New Zealand to be able to play ODI cricket. So uh, I think we've seen that throughout the world over the last sort of four or five years, and it's it's brilliant cricket to watch um, as spectators consumers of the game. New Zealand, though, uh, proof that you can't go into a
3: tournament with that mentality if you don't have the players to back it up and they've had to change the way that they approach 50 over cricket um, whilst the results haven't been quite as dramatic and certainly the style of play they just seem to have uh, come across a formula through the experience of the, um, of the players that we know so well Ross Taylor, Kane Williamson, Martin Guptill Trent Bolton, Southey. but also with bringing in some new players as well so where do you rate their game coming into this tournament?
5: I think they're in a bit of a sweet spot, to be honest with you, John. I think no-one's really talking about them, and I think that'll suit them quite nicely. Um, there's a lot of names there that you just rattled off that did play in that 2015 World Cup, so there's a lot of experienced cricketers, and that experience of making the final in 2015 um, will hopefully hold well for this team this this time around. Everyone's talking about England, India, Australia... No one's really talking about New Zealand and, and, and that'll suit them. They can come into this tournament. They haven't played much international cricket over the last couple of months through scheduling and, and IPL fixtures and what have you. So, um, you know, they turned over India the other day in a warm up at the Oval. Um, they'll be quietly confident of, of doing well in this tournament, but with the way that the formatting is, I think every team would be very wary that, you know, the opposition carry uh, match winners no matter who they're playing. So they'll be. Very worried that every game is critical.
3: What kind of pitches and conditions do you think will s- will New Zealand
5: want to play on? I think they've got a balanced team. Um, I don't think they'll be too bothered. To be perfectly honest, I think the teams that will will move forward and get to the semi-finals uh, will be teams that can take wickets uh, through that middle period. Uh, they'll have match-winning spinners, um, and they'll have batsmen that you know, openers, threes, fours that are. Consistently scoring high runs, I think New Zealand's got that. I think they've they've got that makeup within their their lineup. They've got the attacking bowlers at the front with Bolt, Henry, Southie. They've got a couple of very good spinners in Setner and Sodhi, and they've got world-class batsmen in their top order. So, um, if they find form, those players, then they're every chance. And lastly,
3: I'm going to ask everyone this: predictions for the top four. Top four, the four semi-finalists will be
5: England, India. New Zealand, and then I think it'll be a fight for that fourth spot between a number of teams. Come on, Australia! Uh, yeah, I think. I Let's mean, hope not. Oh eh? wow, uh, look! Nobody wants Australia. Well, to n- nobody was talking about Australia six months ago. Well, um,
3: we were. We were laughing at Australia.
5: <laughs> but you know, they're, they're starting to find form at the right time. They've obviously got Smith and Warner back, in. they could be. But it could equally be Pakistan. It could be West Indies. Um, it could be, you know, Afghanistan. For goodness' sake, they could upset some teams in this tournament. So. It's going to be a very curious five or six weeks coming up.
3: James Franklin speaking to me there, former New Zealand all-rounder. I was also pleased uh, to see another old friend. Uh, Last time I saw him was in Colombo, Mahalo Jai Wardner, the legendary uh, Sri Lankan captain. Uh, And we had a, a little chat about Sri Lanka. So the last time we were together, I think it was, it was either Colombo, was it uh, Candy, Dan? But I mean, wherever it was, it wasn't. Well, no, it was raining, but it was warm, warm rain. rain. Much rain. Are you well? It's great to see
0: you. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah, I just arrived a few days back. Um, yeah, I mean, hopefully the weather will change for the game tomorrow. Um, but it, it seems like an amazing World Cup. You know, everyone's looking forward to it. Great atmosphere. Um, yeah, definitely England's always going to bring that little bit of extra um, color to a, to a world cup. I remember
3: what I was doing in 1996. Um, I've never been able to watch my team win a world cup. What were you doing in 1996? Tell us your memories in and around that famous day. I
0: was a schoolboy at that time. Uh, we had one of our main school matches, a big match, and we were pleading the, the principals to try and refix that game, but you can't, it's a traditional game. So we played the game, um, So we missed the first half of um, the Australian batting um, and we quickly, as soon as we finished the game, we went back home and watched the second half where Aravinda got 100. So you can't forget that uh, game if you're a Sri Lankan cricket fan or a cricketer um, who grew up watching cricket and um, that was the best memories we had of a group of players who actually turned around for, for Sri Lanka. I imagine there were plenty of Aravindas born that day. After that game, no, definitely. I think you know it, it gave us um, the confidence to to play for Sri Lanka going forward and have the belief that you know we could win a World Cup. We could actually, you know, be a world force in in cricket. And and all that is due to that group of players who who showed the pathway. And, and we've come a long way since then, and it's almost twenty five years now. You
3: can still name that team twenty five years on. Well kids in England be naming this England team in the same amount of time do you think is this is it now for this England team
0: yeah I mean great opportunity I and mean, they've showed that the brand of cricket that they're playing is uh, quite unique a um, lot of lot of confidence in in that group uh, bringing in few x-factors as well in the last moment I, I really like the inclusion of Jofra. give them a bit of extra pace in that attack as well but the batting lineup is solid and top to bottom a lot of experience. Um, Rule identification is pretty good. They understand what they need to do. But it's a World Cup. Um, you know, you just need to calm yourself down. And, and I always feel that expectation is pressure. So just take one game at a time and, and control those emotions and go and play cricket, which is what this group is doing really well right now. And they need to continue to do that in, in that stage as well. And lastly, Mahela, what is the
3: realistic expectation for Sri Lanka? They've won the World Cup, but there's very few tipping that to happen this time around.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not bad to be an underdog uh, or, or nowhere near uh, expectation. So it's a good platform for the Sri Lankan boys to go and you know play uh, you know the brand of cricket that they know how to play. It's a it's a format that the way things are, you know, you get your first couple of wins. Um, you know, four or five wins might get you into the semi-finals because everyone will start beating each other as well. It's not easy to to be in that top four unless you get got that five, six wins under your belt. So even a team with four wins can maybe sneak in at the back end. You know, but Sri Lanka has to take one game at a time and they've always found something special when it comes to big tournaments and we have some match winners and as long as those guys are in form and they come into the party, um, I don't think any team would take Sri Lanka lightly and wouldn't fancy you know playing them in a, in a tournament like this either.
3: Big thanks to Mahalia Wardner and James Franklin. It's New Zealand against Sri Lanka in Cardiff on Saturday. Uh, Guy Swindles will be bringing you that game on TalkSport, TalkSport 2, as well as Afghanistan against Australia. Friday's game, West Indies against uh, Pakistan.
4: Um, How do you see this one, uh, Gaius, (laughs) Harmi? Honestly, these two sides, anything could happen. These two sides, both could beat England, best team in the world. Both these sides could easily get me off Afghanistan. I just see this, this uh, the, the way I look at this: the consistency that will not be there from 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 either Pakistan or the West Indies. Pakistan have got serious problems when it comes to what their batting order and their dynamics of their their middle order of being able to hit big shots. You know, the top of the order is very, 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 very strong. Uh, Fakhar Zaman, Babar Azam, and Imam Al-Hak, top, top players who have got runs on the board early, but at a rate of probably strike rate of about 80, 85. And then they're bowling. I, th- I think they've only, I think in the last, I think the sums we were doing watching them play against England, I think they've only took six power player wickets in something like 12, 12 one nationals. And if you, if you can't stop, if you can't get runs quick enough, and you can't stop running there can't get wickets early enough then uh, you're in for a, a long old world cup and I, I just feel that's the way and we covered we covered the west indies on talk sport two in the winter and if hetmeyer gale have a day out with the score like we've seen the other day could be 400 400 plus so and the plane at taunton so it uh, it could be interesting there that could possibly be the first 500 ground
3: Well, we shall see. Uh, There is uh, obviously a cricket match every day pretty much to the end of the World Cup, July the 14th. So plenty going on with uh, team news, injury concerns, form and fitness, Twitter spats, it's all to come. And uh, let's take a look over the rest of the World Cup after day one at the Oval.
1: Hi, I'm Scott Taylor and away from England against South Africa in the opening game of the Cricket World Cup. This is what else is happening in the tournament. The West Indies begin their campaign against Pakistan at Trent Bridge on Friday looking to end a 30-year wait for this trophy. Let's not forget they've had to go through the qualifiers even to be here and because of this their captain Jason Holder is not setting any targets for the tournament. I've got
2: little to no expectation for the group and I think that's the the method that we want to approach it. Um, Little to no expectation and we just go there and play fearless, enjoyable
1: cricket. In contrast, the former England batsman Kevin Peterson thinks that a place in the last four is more than achievable for them. I think that the West Indies, the way that they're playing, I honestly
3: believe that they can semi-final. I think they're good enough to win six games, and if you win a rink in five or six games, you're going to semi-final.
1: Well, the one thing we've learned from watching the West Indies over recent years is to never write them off. England should know that all too well, and they of all teams won't be forgetting Carlos Brathwaite's name anytime soon. Well, in addition to players like Brathwaite, Andre Russell, and Shea Hope, they have the universe boss who'll be looking for one last hurrah before he hangs up his boots.
2: Here comes and who's killing swing it back with a square! That's gone out of the ground, that's gone for six more.
4: Oh, don't catch that! It's white, right. it's rounded, it's a ball.
1: So could more of the crowd be ducking for cover in the next six weeks? It keeps getting better for the West Indies. Their first games at Trent Bridge the ground that holds the record for the two highest ODI scores in history. And if England can score a mere 481 there last year, what damage could this set of players do if they click? Well, scoring 421 in their warm-up game against New Zealand suggests they are more than capable of threatening that record. However, they do face a tricky test against the 2017 Champions Trophy winners Pakistan. Former captain Azhar Ali made 59 in their victory over India in that final, and told following on that the team should seek inspiration from that game where everybody wrote them off and says early momentum is key in this World Cup.
3: It's all about picking at the right time. Sometimes you don't have a very good form before the tournament and you start off well and then suddenly you're on a roll. So uh, hopefully um, we can we have a lot of potential in our side, so hopefully we can uh, deliver that, uh, into the, especially on crucial games.
1: Pakistan do come into this game in a poor run of form, Having lost their last 10 official one-day matches that have been completed, including a 4-0 series defeat to England and that defeat to Afghanistan in their preparations for this tournament. So you could argue that the West Indies are favourites heading into this one. Recent silverware suggests never to write Safraz's men off. It all gets underway at Trent Bridge at 10:30 am. Elsewhere, Saturday sees the two finalists from the last World Cup in action as the holders Australia face Afghanistan in Bristol and New Zealand begin their tournament against Sri Lanka in Cardiff. Well, despite finishing as runners-up last time round, the attention's been on England, Australia and India, something that the former New Zealand all-rounder James Franklin thinks will benefit them.
5: No one's really talking about them, and I think that'll suit them quite nicely. Um, They'll be quietly confident of, of doing well in this tournament. Well, as you know, it'll be a first competitive match for Australia
1: duo Steve Smith and David Warner since returning from their bans for ball tampering. They're expected to receive a hostile reception here in England, but the former England all-rounder Derek Pringle says that sandpaper gate is ancient history. I've never seen such an overreaction. You know, sandpaper is beyond the pale, but a bit of bull tempering? Blimey, you know, get over it. Some very strong words there from Derek Pringle. And if you like more of this, be sure to tune in to Sunday's Following On podcast, where we look ahead to England's second game of the tournament against Pakistan.
3: Big thanks to Scott Taylor there. So it's West Indies against Pakistan at Trent Bridge on Match Day 2 and uh, South Africa back in action on Sunday. England against Pakistan on Monday. Uh, Harmi, brilliant to have you alongside us. Uh, you will be here. Uh, We're doing the phone-in on TalkSport 2 after every England game. Do you know what, mate? I don't think you're going to be short sure of a topic or two.
4: No, I think we, we, we should be all right for that. And it's actually quite nice to talk about, on a phone-in, talk about your team doing well because I can't imagine I think uh, Adrian Durham and a few others at the, this moment in time talking about their team in the phone in, I can't imagine they're short of a topic or two either but I think they might be negative ones <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: Great stuff, Harvey. Uh, you take it easy, we'll, uh, we'll be reunited on Monday uh, following that game, England against Pakistan at Trail really looking forward to it To never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. See you on Sunday following South Africa's return to the Oval, but this time against Bangladesh. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan.